Welcome, everybody, to This Podcast Has Autism. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, I'm Bran, one of the hosts of the show, and today I'm here with my wife, Marcy, and today's topic is ADHD. More than half of all individuals who have been diagnosed with ASD also have signs of ADHD. In fact, ADHD is the most common coexisting condition in children with ASD. On the flip side, up to a quarter of children with ADHD have low-level signs of ASD, which might include having difficulty with social skills or being very sensitive to clothing textures, for example. Both ADHD and ASD are neurodevelopmental disorders. Brain development has been affected in some ways. That means both conditions, disorders, affect the central nervous system, which is responsible for movement, language, memory, and social and focusing skills. A number of scientific studies have shown that the two conditions often coexist, but researchers have not yet figured out why they do. With ADHD or ASD, brain development has been affected in some way. Most importantly, that includes the brain's executive functioning, which is responsible for decision-making, impulse control, time management, focus, and organization skills. For many children, social skills are also affected. Both ADHD and ASD are more common in boys. Many children are first diagnosed with ADHD around the time that they start preschool or kindergarten because their behavior contrasts with that of their classmates. ADHD can cause children to be restless all the time, act impulsively, and have a hard time paying attention, but some children with ADHD have different signs, focusing all of their attention on one toy, for instance, and not wanting to play with anyone else. For some children with ASD, the signs are noticeable before they reach their second birthday. For others, signs of ASD may not be clear until they are school-aged and their social behaviors are clearly different from their classmates. Children with ASD often avoid eye contact and don't seem interested in, paying or in, pl- in playing or engaging with others. Their ability to speak may develop slowly or not at all. They may be preoccupied with sameness and textures of food or in making repetitive movements, especially with their hands and fingers. Treatment for ADHD usually includes medication. On the other hand, because the medication options for ASD are limited, children with ASD may respond better to to non-medication alternatives. Those might include behavior therapy to manage um, symptoms and skills training to help cope with daily life. For a child with ASD, paying attention to diet is essential because sensory-based food restriction can result in nutritional gaps. For someone with ADHD, stimulant medications can cause a loss of appetite. While the symptoms of ADHD generally respond well to the most commonly prescribed medications, ASD symptoms are less likely to do so. Symptoms of ASD that often overlap with ADHD, such as hyperactivity, Hyperactivity, impulsiveness, and inattention may respond to the medications used to treat ADHD, if not as well. Medications to treat ASD are now being developed, and irritability, aggression, and self-injury that are related to ASD usually respond to antipsychotic medications. Medication is frequently part of the treatment plan for children with ADHD because it helps reduce some of the major symptoms, including hyperactivity and impulsivity. The most commonly prescribed medications are methylphenidate, amphetamine, um, atomoxetine, and guanfacine. However, when they are used to treat patients 
with both ADHD and ASD, the stimulants methylphenidate and amphetamine seem less effective and cause more side effects, including social withdrawal, depression, and irritability than when they are used to treat ADHD alone. With that, on with the interview. Today we have Jackie with us, and I'm going to turn the time over to her to introduce herself. As you know, my name's Jackie. I'm the proud mother of a, my five-year-old autistic son. And I also have a beautiful 17-year-old daughter. Um, yeah, I'm in the UK, so I'm based in Norwich, which is about two hours northeast of London. But I was previously born and raised in Buffalo, New York. Oh, wow. Um, how old was your son when he was diagnosed with autism? So, he was three years old when he was officially diagnosed. And what signs did you see in your son that made you believe he had autism? So, at around 12, 13 months, uh, I noticed um, things that were different than the other children that I took him to play groups with. So he was spinning himself, spinning a lot of toys, um, a lot of hand flapping and walking on his toes, jumping on his toes. Um, and also his speech, um, he went from babbling to a, a definite reversion and almost a complete halt of sounds. Does he have any stims? Yeah, so like I said, um, he does, when he stims, he, he might jump up and down. He used to screech um, really loudly, or he'll make certain noises. He'll flap his hands and things of that nature. Or he also, um, he taps toys on his face, on his lips. Does, does he have any meltdowns? Absolutely. Um, I think now, as as we've learned what his triggers are, they, they've decreased though, over time, but he definitely melts down. His worst one was about two years ago when um, he was with his father during the weekend, and he, uh, he was really upset about something. And he went and he smacked his forehead on the ground, so he split his head open and then Ooh. had to go to the emergency room to get it um, bandaged up again. So I just did Steri-Strips on it and glue. How effectively uh, do you communicate with your son? Um, I, I'd like to think effectively enough, but not as much as I'd like. Uh, he's, he's at a point now where he's... He was previously nonverbal, but he's now saying a bit more. So he's able to communicate some of his basic needs, like water, or he'll say Cheerios, um, or he'll generally just take your hand and and go to things. In school, he's using pecs and sign language or Makaton. How do you know exactly what he needs? Um, simply, I, I don't know exactly what he needs I think I'd like to think I know most of the time what he needs 
but I don't always get it right. Um, I guess that is how you learn as a parent of an ASD child. You, you see the differences in maybe their body language or facial expressions or maybe different sounds or hums or screeches that they make and you know kind of what that means. Is it ever frustrating dealing with his autism? Of course. Um, as, as wonderful he is, as he is as a child, it's, it's also equally frustrating when, when you can't have that open communication. And maybe he says he wants something in the cupboard and I get him the wrong thing and, and then a little bit of a meltdown happens. It's definitely frustrating at times. How do you deal with your frustrations? different ways I generally wait till he goes to bed um, it's it's different ways like I said it could be running it could be um, talking to other parents with with the same you know ASD children and knowing that you're not alone um, and chocolate helps gin also helps <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we have a son that's autistic as well, and um, we, we, we like to uh, just spend time together after they go to bed and, and try to wind down that way. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but yeah, I like, I, like, I like how you said chocolate and gin. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> it's a bad day, I guess. But <laughs> uh, do, you, do you ever need a timeout for yourself? I mean, it's different because with my son, um, his father and I are no longer together, so we have shared parenting. Um, I still do work full-time as well, so I don't know if it's necessarily a good time out, but um, I've got a really wonderful and loving partner, and we go out often um, together by ourselves, or we, we go out as a family. I don't know if it's any time away by myself, but I think it's just making the most of every minute of every day with or without Leo it's just enriching your whole life what's a typical day like in your son's world uh, do you mean a typical school day or a non-school day um, e either or or both so a typical day say when my son goes to school he's got to be there at 9 o'clock um, it's just like any other kid getting them ready, except um, with him because he's, as, as much as he might understand you, he's not able to do certain things that kids his age would do, so he's not able to dress himself or use the toilet by himself, so he's doubly incontinent at the moment. Um, but it's just having that preparation prior to, to the day starting, so it makes it a bit smoother. So... You know, we both get ready together and then head out the door. Um, on the weekend, it's a bit different because um, he is really based on his routine. He does often get up at 6 or 6.30 on a Saturday and Sunday. So there's no rest for the weary, really. Um, and he's, he's full on from the moment he wakes up till when he goes to bed. So the weekends, we try to take him places and do things with him just to get all the energy out 
otherwise it seems that you won't go to bed till really really late um, so that could be anything from going to a soft play to going to a park there's a really wonderful um, park out here called the Wilderwood and it was made the, the person who made it he did it for his son who's also ASD but it's wonderful it's a really safe outdoors park where, where kids can explore and things like that so it's just doing things like that to get him occupied but um, yeah I don't know if any day is the same ever so I just take it as it comes and make the best of it really does he see any therapist um so he he does get access to to therapy while he's in school so he'll see a speech and language therapist and if he needed to an occupational therapist but he doesn't see one at the moment just speech and language is he in school if so what supports do they have at his school yeah so they they do have a speech and language therapist on site occupational therapist if needed um he goes to a specialist provision school. Um, it's one of the really excellent ones in the area um, called John Grant. And within the school, they've got a lot of things for the kids to enrich their overall development. So they have like a sensory area, outdoor play area. They also have um, a normal pool for the kids to swim in and a sensory pool. Uh, there's, they do a lot of things during the day as well. So they've got sensory play. They've got a lot of things to try to develop their IT skills. So they might play on tablets or the smart board. But I think it's just having everyone in the school, you know, that is trained to deal with um, special needs children. That makes it overall really better for the children, not just the additional therapists. What dreams do you have for your son? This is, uh, I think, one of the most difficult things to ask a, a parent who has a special needs child because in your mind, when you have your child, you, you've got dreams and hopes for them. And then when you find out they have a, a special need or disability, those, those change. So the dreams I have for him really are to live a, a happy and fulfilling life. What that means in the end I don't know at this point because we don't know what he he is able to do or will be able to do going forward. So as a whole, I just wanted to be happy and healthy for, for his whole life. But yeah, of course, you, you could say I want my, my son to be a, you know, a brain surgeon or something like that. Is it possible? Potentially, but I'm also very realistic. What has he achieved that doctors may say that he wouldn't be able to achieve? I don't think that the doctors um, within this country, so within the UK, would would say um, that children could or could not do something. They just discuss with you the, I guess, prognosis and and then kind of outcomes. They they've never said that he could or couldn't do anything, if that makes sense. Um, in regards to what I think um, he couldn't achieve, uh, I, don't, I don't really think they can't achieve anything. 
maybe it's just because I look at it more positively than other people. I think that that he's able to do anything, you know, at this point. I, I think what they didn't, um, what they have underestimated was his amazing ability to climb everything and, and be more mobile than any other child I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> what? What special talents does your son have? Yeah, so I I think I don't know if he is if it's really been revealed yet, but he is really inclined um, musically it seems. So he's been put in front of a keyboard, and the first time he was the keyboard was put in front of him, and he started playing with both hands as if he's known how to play and it really doesn't sound too bad so I don't know if that's something that will will be a really special talent with him but I think more to come he's only five at the moment so <laughs> yeah it could be anything well if if he has an interest in it I, I would give him a little push towards it definitely yeah I mean another unknown special talent is he's got an ability to just melt your heart really he, he could be doing something so so naughty and he knows he does and he'll just smile flash a smile and it's just like oh, oh my gosh <laughs> um is there anything else you'd like to add before we close again for for having me on and i just want all the parents out there to know that they really aren't alone that you know our children are in their own ways amazing they're wonderful and they have their own story to tell you just you have to listen in how they want to reveal it well thank you so much for being on the show thank you for having me now for some announcements we will start a giveaway for the Very Hungry Caterpillar laundry detergent. So look for our social media profiles. We will start it there, and it'll last a week. Um, we'd also like to give a shout-out to Ed and Becca Regan for their love and support. And that's it for this episode. Until next time. <laughs>